Good morning, Gateway. Good morning. Am I on? We good? Y'all can hear me? Because I can't hear myself. We good? Oh, so excited to be here this, this morning. Hey, uh, like Pastor Brady said, man, that elder team, I know y'all got a background of poker. Because they was like. <laughs> so when I left, like three, four days later, I called self. I was like, hey, so how did it go? They like, oh, no, no, they loved it. I was like, because <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, man. <laughs> I was like, all right, that didn't go well. So, <laughs> But, man, they since then, we have grown closer and closer. We've met probably four or five times, and it's just, it just been awesome, awesome, awesome. So I thank God for Gateway. Uh, uh, Pastor CJ, the whole elder team, uh, and my beautiful bride of 16 years, Miss Leslie. Uh, yeah. I mean, I call her my bride because we're still on our honeymoon. You come off that honeymoon and we messed up, right? Amen. So you still got a date and all the good stuff and our three children. And um, just super excited to be here today uh, uh, to share my story and uh, to share uh, a message as well. Uh, especially for our young people. When you hear my story, understand that I am not the rule. I'm an exception to the rule because everybody that did the things that I do that I know, uh, they're not here. You know, some went to jail, some uh, some passed away. Uh, some is back on the right track right now, but there are a lot of consequences that come with uh, how I was living. And I really believe the Lord graced me because he knew when I hear the gospel and his sovereignty, he knew when I hear the gospel, I was going to receive the gospel and I was going to share the gospel. I did not hear the gospel until I was 26 years old, February 3rd, 2002 at 11.17 a.m. And I'm from Alabama. You know, I'm from Linden. Matter of fact, something I was sharing with Pastor Grady this morning, something that was so powerful that happened, um, really, I said last night. Uh, we went to a friend reunion down in my hometown. I'm from Linden, Alabama. How I many of y'all know where Linden, Alabama? What? I mean, you you can like throw a rock from one end to the other. Okay, okay. But based on how the Lord is using us now, as far as uh, uh, working now with the schools, serving a liaison between the public schools and uh, the churches, we was passing my high school yesterday, and now I'm conscious of this stuff, and I realized like, man, this church been here my whole high school, you know. 9th through 12th grade, and I never met anybody from it, never seen, you know, no nobody. And, and literally, like, it's about from here to Bell Road. Like, that's how close the church is from our school. And um, so that was yesterday I said this to my wife. And last night, I get a message from the pastor's wife of that church. <laughs> said that she got a hold to my book, and she's just on chapter 9, and she's repenting. And we have not engage the youth like we've been supposed to be engaging the youth and things like that. I mean, just last night. So I was like, all right, Lord, you're just showing out. You know, like, <laughs> so um, that just encouraged me uh, even more. So um, like Pastor Gray said, I do uh, youth pastor at Strong Tower at Washington Park. Uh, and also the uh, founder of Flatline Movement. And I also work with Sister Savannah over at the Montgomery Baptist Association where I serve as a liaison between the schools and the churches and things like that. Now, flatline is derived from Romans chapter 6, verse 11. And that scripture says, I reckon you to be dead to sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus. So in order to live, you got to die. 
You got to die daily. Otherwise, you will not receive life. So, um, so uh, everything is about, you know, carrying, carrying out the Great Commission. And uh, a word that's kind of taboo in the Baptist community, and I've been in the Baptist community now for about since 2002, is the word discipleship. You know, now we're okay with evangelizing and having events for some nice good photo ops. But we struggle when it comes to follow-up and discipling. All right, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, uh, 18 to 20, uh, one of the most inspiring scriptures in the word of God to me. Uh, it's my everyday life. And it says, and Jesus said, I'm sorry, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, one, before I keep going, that lets us know right there that gets rid of the excuse from being scared, from being afraid of anybody, because Jesus lives in us, and Jesus just told us all authority has been given to him on heaven and on earth. And then now he's telling us what to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And then he breaks down what discipleship is, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, meaning when you're discipling somebody, you walk alongside with them life on life, you teach them what you have learned about the Lord. So it's going to take some dying to yourself to do that. It's going to take some self-control. It's going to take some patience. It's going to take some intentionality. It's going to take some self-control because, you know, sometimes when you're trying to disciple folks, they don't want to hear what you're saying. You know, so but you got to allow God's spirit to work through you so you can deal with people and walk through people life on life. Uh, teaching them to observe all the things I command you. And behold, I am with you some of the time. Is that what it's saying? He said, I'm with you when? Always. All right? Until the end of the age. Now, he's sorry. He exists outside of time. So, the end of the age, that means the end of your, when your age is, he's there with you. <laughs> so, you can trust him to be with you while you're discipling all the years uh, while you're doing that. So, very, very important uh, that that be our focus, you know, that we, we be very intentional about discipling. Uh, like I said, I was around church people my whole life because uh, I didn't know the term Christian until I was 26. I am telling y'all the truth. Like, did not know the term Christian. I was so disconnected from Christ when I got saved, I thought you spelled prayer, P-R-A-I-R. That's how disconnected I was from church culture, church world. I didn't know about faith, redemption, sin, none of that, you know. So, like, Dad, that's kind of hard to believe. Well, it's true. Um, I was raised in a single-parent home by my grandmother, all right. My mom was in the picture, but she was in and out in the streets, selling food stamps, uh, going to the club, being sometimes gone two, three weeks at a time. All my uncles were alcoholics. They all dead now. They've all died from liver failure. Uh, uh, and that's, I mean, like, literally, that's all I remember from them. Now, praise the Lord. God did use me to lead two of them to Christ before they passed away. Um, but uh, no dad in the home. And you know the Bible is very, very, very clear about if, when he talks about Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, when he says, Father, neglect not your child to wrath. See, Satan knows if I can take the dad out the home, I can put wrath in that child. And see, the daddy can be in the home and be out of the home. Because you can be so busy 
with your career and, and all this other stuff that you're neglecting your child as well. And neglect, for, for, for me, see, Satan, no. If you could pull the dad out of the home, the reason children get angry when, when not if, when they come to a point where they're, they're in life and they, can, they, they don't have an answer for whatever situation that's coming up, they don't have nobody to talk to. Or they don't have nobody to uh, communicate that hurt to. And see, with me, I saw my uncle was an alcoholic, my mom was gone, and my grandma was like 70-something, and, 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 and the dope dealers were around me. So me dealing with sensitive stuff, I had nobody to talk to. So the more I did not release that, the angrier I became. So that's the same thing right now, what fuel all the stuff that you see around here with our young people killing and shooting and all this other stuff. The dad is gone, and they have no one to deal with the issues of life. So Satan takes the daddy out, or he makes the daddy busy. Listen, if he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. So just because you live there, but you're busy, and you're trying to figure out why my child's so angry, it's probably because you're too busy. Amen. Now, that won't even in the message. <laughs> but like I said, my grandmother raised me, and she took me to church all the way up until the time I was 12 years old, her health began to fail. She stopped going to church. I stopped going. But even when I went, the preacher was just hooping from the front door to the back door. I, I didn't know what he was saying. It was, it was not relevant to my life, you know. I mean, he probably hit a scripture. He probably said the name Jesus, but I don't know. And then based on the music and stuff that I was listening to, talking about the white man and the devil and all this other stuff, and I would see this white picture of Jesus on the wall with these pink lips, these soft lips and these blue eyes and this long blur, blonde hair. So... That never crossed my mind that he had anything to do with my life because no one was explaining to me who he was, right? So, so she went to church. She stopped going to church. I stopped going to church. And from, uh, from uh, 12 to 26, no church, no God. So you can imagine what came along with that. But a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of seeking affirmation. See, I was that guy, and I literally was that guy, like, up until 2003. Like, you would see on Von Road, that pants were way down here, jewelry on, rings and stuff, uh, drugs in the car. It depends on who I am, guns in the car. Music bumping. I ain't know no better. You know, people would look at me and say, man, man you know better than that. How am I know better? You ain't talking about Jesus. My first experience with a lady that was in the church when she said, boy, get them earrings out your ear, pull your pants up, you're going to hell. <laughs> but she never taught me how to get to heaven. And she left it like that. So I'm like, well, I guess I am. Yeah. And then what made matters worse, around 16 years old, you know, I'm gambling, which one, I shouldn't have been in there doing that. Uh, I'm gambling, I'm drinking, and this preacher come in. It's just like CJ them came up here and preached a good message or, or Grady, and then they leave here today and they come over to the gambling hall like, ooh, and them church folks cutting up today. Deal me in. And he began to drink Jack Daniels and Coke right in front of me on a Sunday evening after he done preached that morning. So my whole perception of church was just warped. But the danger in that when you're dealing with young people who don't, don't know the Lord, they used to keep the stuff to themselves, I ain't tell nobody. I made up in my mind that day I wanted nothing to do with church folks. So be careful when people know that you have named the name of Christ and you're doing things in front of 
people, I won't say children, but people, you never know who you're affecting by your actions. So that kept me away from the church for 10 years. People would try to talk to me about God. I ain't going to hear that. I ain't want to hear because I saw too much. I remember my experience with, with this lady, and now I know this preacher, and he drank, and I know he messing with girls and stuff. I, I didn't want to have nothing to do with church. All right? And then, made matters worse, now I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in high school, 16, same thing. Now I'm in school. And uh, everybody knew my situation. Everybody knew that my mom was in and out of the street. Everybody knew that my uncles were alcoholics. Everybody, by then, my grandma started losing her mind, and I'm running with the dope dealers. And this administrator comes up, I'm, we're in the hallway, I'm, I'm with one friend on the right, one friend on the left, and they're really not friends because well, I understand that none of us knew Jesus, so they don't know Jesus, they don't know how to be a friend, even on their best effort, because all that, they just operate not their flesh. So even if they want to do right by you, they can still get jealous and backstab you and all this stuff. But they ain't got Jesus, like how they going to give you something that they don't have? You know what I'm saying? So I got to have love in me to give you love. If I ain't got love in me, then it's lust. So, amen. So, <laughs> so this administrator comes up, and he talks, begins to talk to this guy on the right, because his mom is a substitute teacher. She works in the school system. Talked to him about getting his paperwork, getting ready to go for, to Huntsville A&M. Skipped over me and began to talk to this guy here about getting his paperwork ready to go to the military. And at that very moment, it's like he stuck a dagger in my heart and just twisted it. He confirmed everything that I already thought about myself. You're not going to be in there. You're going to be dead by the time you're 21. Yeah, because I've already been fed this stuff through Satan. I didn't know who Satan was, but I was in his voices. You'll be dead. You ain't going to do nothing. You're going to work at another lumber company. You're never going to be in there. So just live, live, do, do, do what else. I was stealing out of stores, you know, in uh, 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 all kinds of stuff, put it like that, just all kinds of stuff. Um, and then I had this teacher come in, uh, not this teacher. Well, I, I talked to you about the teacher, too. Then I had this, this, this other teacher. We was in a VOAD class, and we was out in the field. And I was, at this time, I was very, very skinny because we weren't eating much. There was days from the 15th to the 30th. We didn't have nothing to eat in the house. We didn't have running water until I was, like, my whole high school year, we had no running water. We had to get water outside from the well or catch the water off the roof of the house. Like, it was, and this is in, we're talking about 92, 93. We're not talking about, like, 50s, you know. Uh, so we, we, in, we in this uh, 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 boy class, and we in the, we in the pastor, and um, – uh, this guy used me as an example. To the, and matter of fact, he used the girl that I secretly liked. And we was discussing healthy bulls versus unhealthy bulls and which one would be give better nutrition if they get pregnant. And he used me as an example in front of 30-some children. Like, okay, would you want to have a baby by him or him? And then she was like, obviously him. She used this big old football player against me. And then he was like, yeah, because Dwayne probably never will have healthy children. And he just kept on with his lesson. And, you know, I'm playing it all because, you know, you got to be cool, but I'm Died on the inside. Like this teacher just told me I'll never be able to have healthy children. Praise the Lord. Where my children? I got three of him right now with Devin and Dorian Journey. Amen. <laughs> and then just a series of events kept happening. Then this teacher come in and test us for scoliosis. And then she diagnosed me with scoliosis. Said by the time I'm 40, I'll be walking like this, bent over. You know, so I go home and tell my mom what she said. She, oh, shut up. That lady don't know what to she's saying. I mean, that's what she's saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, so he said, by the time I'm 40, like I'll be, well, I'm 43. I mean, <laughs> I mean, so it was the, that was the father lies, you know, so he was 
It was just a series of things that was happening, and the church was not engaging me at all with the gospel. So I had nothing to combat the lies that were being told to me. So the lies became my reality, right? So my rebellion just became an expression of my neglect. So a lot of these guys that you see running around here selling drugs, playing this loud music, acting like they're the baddest thing ever, that was me. It might be that no one ever really told them about Jesus and what Jesus can do for them and how much Jesus loved them. We're, we, can get, we can get so caught up in our own lives and then so self-righteous said, man, now, why in the world are they, hey, why are they acting like that? Have you told them about Jesus? Because I didn't know. People say, well, he know better than that. How would I, how am I supposed to know? How am I supposed to know better? I'm, I'm, I'm operating off my righteousness. So it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. So now I'm, I'm looking for affirmation. Anybody that would help me find out about manhood, I'm down with it. So the drug dealer, they, first of all, they started bragging because I was a good thief. I would go in the stores and steal stuff. I was the second best street, for the streets in the hood, they said I was the second best thief in London. And at least I was getting affirmed for something. You know, so, hey, I went with that. And then I remember this one night, because see, I wasn't even supposed to be here talking to y'all. Like, literally, I'm talking about, like, dead. Not just soul dead, but body dead, the whole thing. This one night, this guy asked me, he said, uh, and I know of this camp house so we can hit a lick. Now, lick means, that's, y'all know what lick means, right? That means, like, we can go make some illegal, easy money. But it's never easy. So that's a trick, too. So somebody told me, you know, it ain't easy. But anyway, he said, let's go hit this lick. We got, they got some guns in this, in, this, in this camp house. Man, we can get them. We can sell them. In my mind, I'm thinking, who we going to sell them to? But, man, hey, you know what? You paying me some attention? Let's go. We break into this camp house. And he said it was empty. So I know he was over here rambling. I'm rambling over here, and then I hear something over here. So I just jump between this refrigerator and this wall, and this big white dude with a tank top shirt on walked past me with a sawed-off shotgun, just like this, and missed me. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. We hadn't told nobody where we were, so if he had to kill me, oh, he was going to kill me. Oh, I got me one now. I'm in this house at 3 o'clock in the morning, illegal. Oh, yeah, he was going to target practice me, you know. But I remember, by the time he made it there, I ran back to the projects, and I remember thinking, like, why am I here? Even then, I didn't understand flesh and spirit and Satan and God, but I knew something was controlling me. Because I was asking myself, it's like I didn't come to my right mind until I ran outside and jumped behind that tree. Again, no Jesus. All right? So, by the grace of God... I graduated high school. I don't know how, because I didn't pass no math classes. <laughs> but they gave me a diploma. And this is the truth. From 18 to 26, I had nightmares every night that they were going to find out about that mistake that they made. They were going to come back and take the diploma from me. So even when I went to college, all that was affecting me. But I'm going to come back to that. So I graduated high school. 
but no one ever talked to me about the ASVAB. No one never talked to me about ACTs, any of that stuff like that. And I knew I had stuff that I wanted to do, but we had no money. I had no help. I ain't got no daddy. My mom in and out of the street. My mom, grandma done lost her mind. The only ones that influence you in my life are dope, dope dealers. And they ain't finna help me pay for college. They want me to take over their operation. So I went back home. When I mean my home, because I'm from I, the school was in Linden, but our home was in Myrtle. It was about 20 minutes below Linden. So I went back home and hid out for about, I don't know, eight, ten months, just so people can think that I went to college, so people think that I went somewhere. Then I just got bored. I just couldn't take it no more. And uh, I started back going to Linden, hanging out more, selling drugs. And then there was a one particular day I was back at home, but there was a drug bust. It was on the news and everything. And um, I wasn't there. Because I came to Montgomery running from the police. Not like OJ running. <laughs> but <laughs> they was looking for me, right? So when the drug bust went down, I wasn't there. The streets thought I told, and the police were mad because they didn't get me. So I had to succeed when I came to Montgomery. Like, I have nothing to go back to. So I came to Montgomery, got a job at Wendy's over on Ann Street, uh, uh, cleaning the floors at Ramada Inn when Ramada Inn and American Pie was here. And then I enrolled at Troy State University. And I, and I on my own self-will, because I don't know the law. Ain't nobody taught me that. So on my self-will, I'm like, man, I, I, whatever. Like, I knew I was going to excel here because whatever no one else would do, I'm going to do it. Like, that's my plan that I came up with. So I was just, just doing extra stuff, and I just kept getting promoted. Got promoted, got promoted. Got promoted from cleaning the floors uh, at the hotel to all the way up to the front office to sales manager, right? So while I'm sales manager, my boss at the time was the director of sales, but she was a, I still didn't know the term Christian, but I knew she went to church. But she was nice. You know, I, I wasn't used to nice Church folks, that's another thing. You know what I'm saying? Church folks, just mean and just very, you know, that, that was my thinking because I, didn't, I hadn't had many uh, interactions with church people. But she was nice. And she kept inviting me to go to church. So I didn't tell her that I didn't want to have nothing to go to church. I didn't want to have nothing to do with church people based on my experience because I liked her and I liked my job. You know, I'm, I'm st- I don't know the law, so I'm still selfish and I like the platform that it comes with. I like we making good money. I mean, I still, you know, I'm selfish. I don't know the Lord. So when you don't know the Lord, this stuff is just automatic by default because we're born in the sin. So ladies, if you're dating a guy, he don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, he can put on this, uh, this facade, but he really selfish because he don't know how to be unselfish. It takes all the spirit to make you unselfish. All right? So she kept asking me, kept asking me to go to church. And I'm busy. I got this to do. And I made sure I was busy. And then, but there was an opportunity for her to be promoted to general manager and that director sales position was coming available. I wanted that. So I ain't want her to hire nobody else. It's like, man, okay, well, I've been putting in work for two years. Now you've been watching me. You know, so I'm thinking, like, give me that position. So I said, man, next, I got a plan. Next time she invite me to come to church, I'm going to go. You know? <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to come up, right? Because in see God in his sovereignty, even the way I got saved is the way I do ministry right now. Because see, when we feed the football team, we deal with every high school football team here in Montgomery. I'm the, on paper, I'm the chaplain of Carver and Lee High School. And, but I work with all of them, Lanier, uh, Park Cross, and Jeff Davis, all of them. And we know, because we feed them and we do two-hour Bible studies with them using apologetics Bible, and I, we won't go into that too. But we, so people say, man, what, they only just showing up for the food. I don't care. I don't care why they, I don't care why they just showing up. 
long as they hear the gospel. So check this out. So right after I said, man, she invited me to go to church again, man. I'm gonna go. And about three days later, she invited me again. I said, yeah, let me go with you. So my wife, she won't say it either. I gotta say February 3rd, 2002. She gotta say March 3rd, 2002. So she knows all business. So you ain't even gotta go. Just let me go down here and smile in their face and you know, do all that good stuff. Went down there, heard the gospel. Clear. For the first time. Like, I mean, he was scaring me so bad. It's like, I'm looking around like, man, who is telling this dude all my business? Like, everything that he was hitting on was like, man, I was going through it. I'm living that way. I'm dealing that way. And he said, if you did not accept this Jesus, you you will spend eternity separated from God in hell. Oh, I knew I had a one-way ticket. So I knew I needed this Jesus that he was talking to, talking about. But I still didn't accept it right then because I'm telling you, spiritual warfare, real, it was something pressing against my chest. I wanted to get up and, and, and come forward, but I didn't. And uh, I left. Same thing happened third time I, I received Jesus Christ. Came home that day. Oh, we got some little babies in here, so I'm going to keep this PG-13. I started throwing out all kinds of movies, pulling them up on the couch. She didn't even know what was in the house. I'm, I'm throwing them away. At the time, I was selling music out my trunk. We used to buy uh, CDs on Tuesdays and burn them at nighttime. I would sell uh, something for $5 or sell 5 for 20 you know, uh, with this, all this rap music and blues and R&B. I mean, we were making three, $400 a day, you know. So, and we're going to talk about that music, too, for your young people. Because, see, I used to sell crack cocaine, but man, people was more addicted to the music than they were crack cocaine. I would give them one juvenile CD, and they would come back and buy all the cash money CDs from me. I would give them one masterpiece CD. They would come back and buy all the No Limit from me. It was like, man. So you think that music don't have an effect on you. It does, and we're going we're gonna to go into that too. But uh, anyway, I received Christ that day. Uh, man, changed my life. Oh, my Lord. Like I said, came home, instantly broke all those chains that was on me, new heart. I finally saw her for the first time, even though we had been together for six months. It's like, man, I didn't see her because I had blinders on. So I saw my wife like, oh, my God, this precious jewel. But be- before that, she's just my servant. You do what I tell you to do. That was my mindset. And I won't pray not say it all the time, but you know, that was my mindset. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but uh, as Christ began to grow me, so check this out. And this is a mistake that my church made, and I don't think they did it by um, on purpose. It was just out of ignorance. Ignorance is not a bad word. Stupidity is a bad word. Stupid is when you know to do right and you still keep doing wrong. Ignorance, you just ain't got the information, right? So I get saved, and they shake my hand, and I go back to my seat. I don't have a Bible, right? I mean, you know, I ain't saying that because I'm. You, this is new to me. This whole thing new to me. So I go back to work, and um, it was my job at the hotel to walk the lobby and make sure everything was good with your stay. Y'all stay at that hotel just so y'all know that guy, that girl. Come on, how's everything last night? Just stay on. Everything was good. They got that little pad in their hand. So we taking notes just in case something wrong. I know I need to fix that. Fix it. You know, yeah, everything was good, but the closet messed up. So I know I write that down. Go fix it. So I go, I see this, this white guy. Now, mind you, I keep saying white guy and stuff like that because I hated white people before I got saved. I ain't know no better. That's all I'm taught through the music. That's all I'm taught on the block, white man and devil, blah, blah, blah. So all this new. So uh, 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 I see this white guy sitting over at, uh, at his table. So I walk over, do, do my spiel. He said everything was good, and he had his Bible open. So I said, uh, well, I want to let you know that I, came a, I became a believer uh, last week. It was like he did it in slow motion. He closed his Bible. He stood up and he hugged me. 
He don't know. I've never been hugged by a man before. I'm 26 years old, but I never felt. I, I, I remember wanting that up until the time I got by 12, and I realized I wasn't going to get it, so I hardened my conscience. I told myself I don't need it. But that don't, that don't get rid of the fact that you do need it. That's just how I was coping with it. So I don't need that. I don't need that. So I went from 12 all the way up until that moment. When he stood up and he hugged me, it was like Jesus himself hugged me. And I felt waste just left off of me. So I didn't tell him I didn't have a Bible, anything like that. Holy Spirit did. He, it was like 730. He came back, knocked on, because you could see my office from the lobby. Knocked on the lobby, came out, had this Bible for me. This the same Bible. I preach off. <laughs> now, and, and, and you see how marked up it is. And check this out. If your Bible ain't, if your Bible too crisp, <laughs> just saying. So I get this Bible. I don't know where to start. So I open it up. I just open it. And it went to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. And that scripture, and it was like it was talking to me. I ain't know the term scripture. But when I read it, it was like it jumped out the page into my heart. And it says, as for me, that I may be given utterance, that I may open my mouth and boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. The first scripture I ever learned. Then I learned John three sixteen and all this other stuff. But at that moment, I knew God wanted to use my mouth to bring him glory. Because Satan was perverted, girls was easy, hearts playing, all that stuff was easy. See, Satan recognized the gift when I had no clue who God was or his people. But Satan said, man, something on that boy. So he was using that for his glory. And the Bible says Satan comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So if you're using your gift for the devil, believe me, his job, his goal, his plan, his theme is to kill you, to steal from you, and to destroy anything that's dear to your heart. So he saved me, and I just kept getting promoted, kept getting promoted, till I moved all the way up to general manager. I opened every Hampton Inn here in Montgomery. When Hyundai first came to Montgomery, I was, I was on the news and everything. I was the general manager that... They cut the ribbon, the mayor came out, all that good stuff. The one out on um, airport, Hope On paper, I was the first general manager at the one out there by Target when it was just ground, it was just dirt. And then um, downtown, right across from the Renaissance, I was the first general manager down there. The guy trying to take advantage of me to have me run two hotels. Anyway, I got somebody else. But my point is, God moved me all the way up the ladder. And then while I'm doing this, there was an incident that happened here in Montgomery. I saw it on the news one day before I got ready to go to work. Child had got killed off in one of the schools. I went over there, just introduced myself as a pastor. Told them, any way I can serve you. If they'd have said, well, yeah, pastor, go grab the broom, sweep the floor. I did it. I asked to serve you. I asked to come preach. I asked to come pray. I said, I'm here to serve you, right? Because I know my experience with Christians. So I wanted to let you know, hey, I'm here for you. I'm here for myself. Anyway, so I began, but they told me, nah, we got a whole auditorium for the folks up that need praying. They crying and everything. So I ended up praying with them, doing Bible study. God just opened the door for me to start doing Bible studies uh, in the mornings from um, 
6 o'clock to like 7. Teachers were showing up, athletes showing up, students showing up. I mean, it got so big that we had to move from the to classroom to like an auditorium. I mean, it was amazing. So they end up giving me an all-access pass. Of, okay, they like, hey, forget that, cut it off at 7 o'clock. Anytime you want to come in here, you can come. So I had a badge where I can walk into the classroom. I still got that. Don't tell that now. Yeah. <laughs> Edit that part out. But <laughs> but I can walk in any time and sit in the back of the class. Pastor, you want to say something? I get up and I say something. But um, I began to develop a relationship with the coaches and the students. And when they caught a guy smoking weed and skipping, and they were like, okay, listen, we're about to kick him out. Pastor, if you come over here and talk to him, if you can't deal nothing with him, then this is it. We're kicking him out. You know, and many times we got guys that play on Alabama football team that was one of those guys that they say, okay, can you come talk to him? You don't talk to him. He's out of school. Talking to him, sharing the gospel with him. Some of them interrupt me and receive Jesus right there. I mean, it's just amazing. So, but then it got to a point while I'm the general manager, they would call me and I could always send my AGM to the bank and do our deposit and stuff like that. But when I get one of those calls, I said, no, I got deposit. It don't take but 10 minutes. But then I would go to the school and stay like two hours. And then when I get back to the job, I'm their boss, so they're scared to say something to me about it. They'd be like, hey, Mr. Dwayne, where you went to Tuscaloosa to the bank? <laughs> but I knew that was hurting my witness because I can't really tell you where I've been. So if I don't tell you where I've been, the devil's going to say, oh, he went been with a woman. Or he's doing some stuff he ain't got no business doing. You know? And then God began to convict me about doing ministry work on Hilton Dime. Meaning, like, they're not paying me to go to the school. So now I knew what he wanted, right? Like, once he showed me, man, you know they're not paying you to go out to the school. You were like, even though this was great, great folks, they delivered the whole nine, but you still got to kind of sneak around and do it. So it's like, you got to let one of these go. You're going to let that job go, or you're going to have to let stop going to the school. Well, I knew what he wanted me to do right then. Uh, but I wrestled with it because I'm making all, you know, I'm making really good money, you know, the whole nine. But um, finally, one day, I'm in the car, and I heard the Lord clear as day. So read Romans 6.11. Now, I read Romans before. But that, like if you say read John 3.16, that, that scripture just sticks out. I don't even need to reach and grab my Bible for that. When we said read Romans 6.11, I reached off my back seat, grabbed the Bible, and that's when I just read. You know, I reckon you to be dead to sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus. And then I heard him speak to my spirit. And listen, when I say now, that, that scares some folks, especially some Baptist folk. When you say, you done heard, are you hear the Lord? I mean, you sure you heard the Lord? Let me give you a testimony about this book. People, praise the Lord, I get testimonies every day now, and I ain't planning on sending this thing. God just, my wife tell you, just like, I just want to do it because she was on me. I keep saying, you need to write a book. just going to do it. God just really, really using it. But people who know me, like got a relationship with me, they would say this to me. They said, Dwayne, man, the book is blessing me. And when I read it, I can hear your voice. The reason they can hear my voice is because they got a relationship with me. When you read the word of God and you can't hear his voice, you probably don't have a... I mean, he says, my sheep, hear my... I mean, I'm just giving you a Bible. (laughs) So if God can do this in the natural with me, this ain't a divine book. This is a divine book. But if you can read this and hear my voice, but you can't read the divine book and hear his voice, I want to check that relationship. But anyway, so, so he spoke to my spirit right after I said, 
I mean, right after he told me, uh, gave me the scripture, he said, in order to, he said, in order to live, you got to, you got to, no, he said, you got to die before you die so you can live. I want you to start flatlining. I mean, I heard it just, because one, I ain't that smart, okay? So I, I know it wasn't me. Somebody, well, how you know it wasn't you? Man, I ain't that smart. I ain't, that, that's wisdom. <laughs> so I know it had to be God. It's good. If it's good, it's God. See, you about to be careful because I don't know if that God, that was just me. See, now you've taken the credit of the Holy Ghost. The Bible saying no good thing in us. I mean, that's what the Bible say, right? So God speak to the people. So he told me that. And I knew I eventually I got to go tell my wife. Like, oh, Lord, God want me to quit my job. <laughs> and start this. I didn't even know it was a ministry. All I knew was that it was going to have something to do with helping fatherless boys. Now, the rappers and all that stuff. First of all, let me tell y'all what it made up. We got about, I don't know. 12 gospel rapper, Christian rapper, we travel. I mean, God has been allowing us to go all the way from the top of the United States to the bottom of the United States. I've gone to Africa and preached at a youth conference, Ghana, Africa, just all over the place. I mean, still, I mean, we got dates books all the way to June of next year. I mean, it's amazing what he's done with it. we got a basketball team. Some of y'all young guys probably heard of Flatline Ballers. Any of y'all ever heard of Flatline Ballers? Throw your hand up you heard of it. No? You have it? Okay. So. <laughs> all right. And, and huh, and and then we do our uh, 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 discipleship where we meet with the guys on Thursdays and stuff like that. So uh, I think one of the young ladies in here we met Portia. She was one of our rappers, the young lady that got killed uh, by the fourteen-year-old guy uh, from Johnny Carr. One of the teachers, she was one of our rappers. Uh, still ain't got another female rapper because she can't be replaced. I mean, that's, that's another thing. But that's what we do, you know. So God just been been using it. But anyway. So I had to go tell my wife, like, God uh, told me to quit my job and start flatlining. Man, this is what she said. Now, you tell me Proverbs 31. She said, I trust God, and I trust God talk to you. And I told her, I said, well, for about a year and a half, we're about to eat Roman noodles and water now. <laughs> She'll tell you. I told her. I said, listen, I'm just, based on this, you know, because I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm walking by faith. And uh, you know, you, it's hard to get funding when you don't even understand it yourself. You know, so so what I did it was I went and, uh, went back and started working at the front desk at the hotel job, and you know, just so I can figure out as God began to show me what to do and stuff like that. So he's he's just really really been using it. Uh, oh, I watch my time, so I'm skipping some of the stuff. Uh, all right, so we use a lot, especially with the music. Let me talk to our young guys, or young girls too all y'all that's into this hip-hop stuff. You know, hip-hop. That's where it comes from, right? You know, twerking and stuff, all that. It, it's designed to... The origin of it is to make your hip-hop. I'm telling you, listen, I am for rap. I am against hip-hop. Hip-hop is the culture. Rap is just the style of music that you, 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 you convey the message. Rap literally means rhyme and poetry, rhythm and poetry. Did y'all know that? Rappers in the Bible. Oh, wow, yes. <laughs> Think about this. Book of Psalms is a what? Poetic book. Song of Solomon, what? Poetic book. Proverbs is a what? Poetic book. Ecclesiastes is a what? Poetic book. Job is a what? Poetic book. And even in the book of Psalms, it's rhyming. Now, the Bible said David danced out his clothes. Now, I don't think David would listen to no hymn. I mean, the dance so hard till you come out your clothes? 
What was he listening to? God probably ain't going to tell us until we get to heaven. He never told him what style of music we listen to. But all I know is that music was good to him. So rap is not evil. The Bible said whatever in a man's heart comes out of his mouth. So if I get saved, because there's no such thing as an evil beat. This is what I, I'm wrestling with right now. It's going to be a little different at Flatline Church, but I'm wrestling with the fact that Young, urban, black children are the only one has to give up their style of music when they get saved. They're the only one. We got, if you went to Katy Perry and she bragging about kissing a girl and doing all kind of voodoo stuff, you say, oh, no, no, no. You pastor going to come say, no, you don't need to listen at that no more. Huh, listen to some Carrie Jones. Right? If you went to that country music, he talking about how sexy his tractors and all this other stuff. You said, put that down. Listen, that's some Chris Tomlin. But if I've been into hip-hop and rap music my whole life, and now I get saved, you tell me, okay, put that down. Listen to that Chris Tomlin. Listen, I got to say February 3rd, 2002. You had to brought me Chris Tomlin, February 5th, 2002. I said, get that out of my face. Because I'm totally ignorant from that culture. So if God okay with it, why do the church struggle with it? So, that's why we use rap music. And sometimes the church struggle with it because they're so busy looking at the mat. Now, let me break that down. I think it's John chapter, might be five, but y'all know the story where the man laid, laid lame for 38 years and Jesus encountered him. And Jesus told him, do you want to be made well? And he started making all these excuses. And then Jesus said, man, or whatever, man, pick up your mat and walk. He picked up his mat, walked walked back into the synagogue today, formed church. And when he got in there, the Jewish authority said, man, listen, what you doing carrying your mat? Don't you know it's against our traditions for you to be carrying your mat? Today is a Sabbath. And he said, "Uh, the man who healed me told me to carry my mat. And then the next word out of that man's mouth was, who is this man? He was so busy looking at his tradition, that he missed the miracle what Jesus had did in this man's life. So you would see a guy rapping the gospel, and you so busy looking at the mat, but he's rapping the gospel now. So God can take something that's vile and ugly and nasty and use it, because that's what it is, to be honest. But then I'll show you this right here. Brother, what's your name, man? What's the most vile thing I can do to you right now. Right now. <laughs> it's not with an S. Sp- I can spit in your face. That'll be the most disrespectful, nasty thing I can do, right? All right, let's check this out. Jesus encountered another man that was blind, right? From birth. Jesus took the most vile thing, spit, put it in the mud, put it on his eyes, Tell him, go wash your face and you can see. So Jesus took the most vile thing that you can do, his spit, and help a man see. You think he's still not doing that? If it's vile to you, you think God can't use it? So that's what we do. And by the thousands, young people are coming in. Because I got free views in my truck if any of y'all need it. But but um, young people are coming to it by the droves. And I remember the first time I got my hand on a. Christian rap C, oh, it was like, I'm telling you, it was like, 
Like, I got a fix. Like, oh, whew. Oh, I can do this. Like, because I was starving, you know. Like, I tried to, they gave me this stuff, and I, I want to serve the Lord. And if you just telling me that's bad over there, well, I, I want to stay away from it. But this still wasn't discipling me, because music is made for discipling. That's why Satan uses it so much. That's why he put his message to it. So I need to have something that I will play on Tuesday. You know, not just listen to that on Sunday. What, what is so good to me that I can listen at Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and it's helping my soul? So if I'm if not if I'm not into that style of music, I'm not I'm not gonna listen to it. I'll try and I'll try, I'll try. But see, right now I don't have to try because I enjoy the music. I enjoy the message. I get encouraged and nourished when I hear the message. So we use the music. We use. Uh, uh, block parties and assemblies and any way we could to let people know that your culture is important to me. Let me let me say let me say this. Oh Lord, now I know this in this thing a little bit. I hope you let me come back in September like you said. October when you said September? Oh yeah, September. One of the most offensive things my dear brothers and sisters that are white can say to a black person. Oh, I don't see color. Ooh, now watch this. Because I know how y'all are saying and I know your heart behind that. But check this out. When you say that, when you don't understand culture, think about this before I even get into that. Whenever you send a missionary over to India or somewhere, do you not take time and study their culture before you go over there? All right, so same thing. We're, listen, when you say you don't see color, that means you don't see culture. So you throw your way of thinking on us. And some, for someone who don't know Jesus or just became a baby Christian, especially in Montgomery, Alabama, 50 years ago when you had the colors drink here and whites drink here, well, the mindset for those unsaved people at the time was that we're just going to pretend that they don't exist. So that's why we're going to do our thing over here and let them do their thing over there. So when you're dealing with a person who don't know the Lord, when you say that, you automatically, by default, the mind goes back to the point, okay, well, I'm just going to pretend you don't exist. But when you take the time to try to learn what makes them tick, what makes them angry, what's to say, what not to say, then you can communicate with them better, and they'll be open to receive the gospel message from you. John chapter 4, verse 7 through 26, when Jesus encountered the woman at the well, this woman, y'all know how she was living, obviously, because Jesus told you, and she was at the well during the middle of the day, the hot part of the day when the women come to the well. If you study Jewish culture, they come to the well in the evening time, and Jesus used four different principles, four steps, four, however you want to name it, that he, 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 he witnessed to this woman, and that's how we're supposed to be witnesses. First thing he did was he met her in a place where she can understand. He had a conversation with her on an area that she can understand by starting off saying, give me a drink of water. And she was like, man, come on now. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. If I give it to you, you're not going to drink behind me. You're not going to even drink out the same cup if I give it to you. And then Jesus said, that's the first principle. So he met her where she was. He started out with a conversation that was common to her. And then he said, well, if you knew who was asking you for the water, you would ask me for some water, and I'd give you living water. Then she said, ooh. Because then he swung into the spiritual realm. He started out in the natural with something that he knows she could understand. Then he swung into the spiritual. He said, you know, when he told her that. And she was like, ooh, man, tell me where to get some of that water. I won't have to come here no more. And then, then 
he brought the word of God in. He said, go call your husband. She said, well, I ain't married. He said, you right. You've been married five times. The cat you shagging with right now ain't your husband. But then that opened her heart up to receive him because she proved it. She showed you that she was convicted. She said, that's okay. Because when the Messiah comes, he's going to tell us everything. And then Jesus introduced himself. He said, the one you're talking to is him. And that's how God wants us to deal with people. Take time to learn that culture so you can have a conversation with them on a level that they can understand. And then, you know, swing into the spiritual. And then, do, do, don't do this. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. And then, but this is the answer, Jesus Christ, in that way. Now, since we got all the young people in here, I definitely got to talk on, talk, how, many, how, much, how many minutes I got? Am I done? Two minutes? Oh, my God. Okay, I got to hit this, and then I'm out. Because young people, because I, 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 it breaks my heart when I see y'all have these headphones on. I, I know what you're listening to. Some of y'all need to wipe y'all phone today. And this, 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 this music that you listen to, especially this modern-day form of hip-hop, it's just a form of slavery. All right? It's just a form of slavery. When you think about slavery, so tell me some things that you're thinking about. Let's say, for instance, uh, when the, uh, the slave master, when the slaves got out of line, and the slave master wanted to get him in line, what did he hit him with? Talk, talk to me, young folks. What did he hit him with? Whips, all right? And then to keep him from running away, but they still need to work, how did he have them together? Change, and they normally was in the field, and they had in the garden and stuff like that. They had them doing garden work. What kind of tools they use? Hoes. Okay, whips, chains, and hoes. What do they call cars in hip-hop? Talk to me. What do they call cars in hip-hop? Whips. What do they call? What are they always bragging about around their neck? And what do they call? Don't say it. You understand what I'm saying? The devil is behind a lot of this stuff to keep you in bondage and to keep you bragging about your destruction. Right? So, the Bible says in Romans 8, 6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So God got music. Hey, if you like rap music, God got rap music. But be careful what you listen to this young thug and NBA young boy and 21 Savage and, 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 and Lil Pump and all these guys, these guys trying to, they brag about going to hell. And they want to take you with them. Trap music. Right now they got a movie out, Superfly. It's because they don't move from hip hop now to trap music, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Trap music. Trap music. The thing is that I'm on this rat race getting this cheddar to be the best trap boy. Spiritually, look at this. If I'm, a, if I'm on a rat race, that means I must be a... And anytime you want to kill a rat, what type of trap, what type of cheese you put on the trap? Cheddar. One more point. I'm gone, brother. One minute. Say wants your worship. Jesus says he is the bread of life. He's the only one to be worshiped. But see, in, in, in trap music, hip-hop, they got y'all, chase the bag, get the money, chase the bag. Everybody, even Christians on here talking about on social media, talking about I'm chasing that bag, chasing money. Jesus said he's the bread of life, but that's why in some circles, money is called what? Bread. It's the bread of death when you love it. All right? And I'm done, but God want to challenge us as a people to engage our community. And I ain't get a chance to get into the strategies and flatline church. I'm sorry, brother. Uh, maybe he'll let me come back and I, I tell y'all about the church and what we're going to do over there in some ways that uh, we plan on impacting that com community. The church should be up and running about 12 months as far as the building, but we already start outreaching with block parties and, 
and walking around with Lee High School players with their uniform on, going knocking on doors. I'm looking for the biggest drug dealer out there. If you know who he is, I need his name and phone number because I'm going to go talk to him. You know, I mean, that happened in South Lawn. This is a guy right now. Got him in school over at uh, uh, Trenton Tech. He was the biggest dope dealer out there. And one of the guys that I've been discipling uh, uh, this summer fell, fell off. He wasn't answering my call. And finally, he called me and told me why. He said, man, I slipped back into selling drugs. He said, but I quit. And I told the dope, dope dealer that, man, I'm quitting. This is why I'm quitting because I know better, and you should quit too. And he said, man, can you meet my youth pastor? And at first, the guy said, no, nah, I don't want to meet none of them. He, I don't want to meet him. And then the other guy said, man, he's not like one of these jacked up West Side pastors. I'm just telling you that's what he said. You know? <clears throat> and then, uh, so, so he said, all right, I'll meet him. So I drove over there, and the first time, he backed out. Like, as soon as I got in the neighborhood, it was over in South Lawn. As soon as I got in the neighborhood, he backed out. A week later, the guy hit me back again. He probably been here this morning, too. He hit me back again. He said, man, he's willing to meet you now. So I said, I don't know what I had. I think I had something to do with my grand Baptist Association. I threw that to the side. Went over there, uh, met with him. Um, gave him the gospel, the clear gospel, and just began to tell him, man, God gave you that entrepreneurial spirit, but Satan is using it. If you want to ask him some things he was interested in, he said, well, them HVAC CU, man, I called up Trenum State because I got some connections out there. That day we went and got him registered in school. He started August the 19th. You know what I'm saying? So I told him to disconnect his social media, all that stuff like that, so we can, you know, because it's hard to tell a dope dealer, stop selling dope and then get a job at Walmart. He's used to making sometimes $1,500 in a week, and now you're telling him to go make $200. That is not a real solution. If you recognize that guy got entrepreneur spirit on him, that he know how to run a business, he's just running a legal business, help him run a legal business. Come on, brother, I'm sorry. My prayer for us this morning, twofold going, this is one, that you would be amazed at God's grace. And I hope you've seen the God's grace that has rescued Dwayne. It's the same grace that if you're a child of God has rescued you as well. No matter what our stories are, God's grace is amazing. But also it's a story that he's told us to tell. As we've seen already last week in Ephesians chapter 3, he has stewarded us with this gospel message. And I pray that Dwayne's passion ignites my heart and your heart as well, brothers and sisters, that we would take this glorious gospel message of grace that's rescued all of us from our slavery to sin and has given us hope in Christ that we'll be found faithful to take it to others this week. I'm going to ask, I'm going to pray for us as our praise team comes forward, and then we're going to sing our closing song. So praise team, come on forward. Father God, we are so thankful for your grace. We've sung about your grace today. We've prayed about your grace today. And Lord, we've just heard this testimony of your grace. And we are so thankful for the incredible work of grace you've done in Dwayne's heart, Lord, and the passion you've given him to make you known. And Lord, I pray this week in my heart and the heart of these brothers and sisters that God, we would not get over your grace. Mm. But God, this week, you would remind us of where you brought us from and what you're taking us to. God, that we would realize this week that once you're enemies, we are seated at your table. But Lord, that's not just for us. It's for your glory. It's for others to come be invited to your table as well. So God, capture us with your grace this week. And God, send us out this week to make you known. And we will give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. As you stand out before we sing our song, go ahead and stand up. As you're leaving today, Dwayne's going to be at a table in the back back there. He's got materials and information if you'd like to learn more about him. And trust me, you'll be hearing more about Flatline from us soon.